Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you. We're in a series here called Satisfied, and we're talking through 2 Corinthians chapters 10, 11, 12, and 13. We're walking through the end of 2 Corinthians, and it's really all about this. In the midst of the onslaught of what we get hit with in this world, in the midst of some of the struggles or the heartaches or, or whatever it is you might be facing, what does it look like to stay and remain in my God in a way where I am satisfied? To be able to take the storm swelling up and I stay with my God, all right? And how do we find that to be true in each and every circumstance? In fact, today we're going to be looking at a passage, a portion where uh, Paul was being attacked outright, challenged for what he was doing and the position he was taking. And what does it mean in the midst of taking a stand for Jesus and being pressed in on? And how do you handle that? How can I be satisfied in the midst of it? In fact, one of the topics that we're going to be kind of hitting on here today is really was hit on by Ed Welsh a number of years back in a book he wrote, When People Are Big and God Is Small. When people are big and God is small, that's kind of the opposite of what we're going to be going after through this passage. When people are big, that's like it really matters to me the opinion they have and the attack they're bringing and the statements they have to say about me. It matters so much that I stop doing what God's asked me to do and I start just bending to the people's pressures around me. When people are big and God is small, that's when anxiety comes in, that's when worry comes in, all these things where we start to be manipulated and managed by somebody else and how they talk about us, right? And that is so not, everybody say that's not the plan, right? That's not what we're going after. And so if you look at the sermon title for today, it's the exact opposite of when people are big and God is small, it's small me, big God. That's the plan. It's not about me, it's about my Savior, and I'm going to lift him up with all I've got, okay? So satisfied, even in the midst of being pressed in on by others. How do we go about it? Here we go. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 7, and uh, first point, do not allow the hurtful attacks of others to disrupt your leadership, your love, or your obedience of Christ. Do not allow the hurtful attacks of others to disrupt your leadership, your love, or your obedience of Christ, okay? When somebody presses in, it's pretty easy for us to respond to that pressure and we start bending to what they're asking and all of a sudden we're not doing what Jesus is calling us to, we're doing what another human being sees fit to have done. And uh, that's not the plan, all right? Here we go, 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 7. He says, look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Let's just hang there for a moment. We have to remember that Paul is writing this letter. He's writing to a group of people that are a number of miles away, right? And in fact, there's some people locally there that are speaking. They're speaking ill of Paul. They're speaking ill of Paul's ministry. And in the end, really, tearing down what God is doing. They're breaking that down. And as they're sitting there with these people in Corinth going, come on, man, you don't need to listen to them, and you need to listen to us, and they're beginning to stir this up, Paul is trying to now, can you imagine? You've got that going on at a distance, and they're stirring it, and you're trying to stop it with a letter. What would you say in a letter if you were trying to stop the distraction going on 
of some guy locally there or some people locally there. And Paul is like, look at what is before your eyes. If we were to put it in our common language today, open your eyes, man. Like, look what's happening around you. Take a look at the fruits. If you look at last week's message and you go back to that, remember, look at what's coming out of their mouths. Look at what's coming off of their hands. Look around. Open your eyes and see what's happening. He's like, take a good hard look because I'm not there with you. I'm not there to be able to communicate in each and every moment and help correct. But I'm telling you, if you open your eyes and you see what I'm seeing from a distance, it's going to become pretty crystal clear. And uh, he's like, look at what is before your eyes. The people there in Corinth were wrestling with a problem. See, here's the issue. Today, we have the Bible. We have the Word of God written down, recorded. We have the canon of Scripture, and through the acceptance over the course of time in churches and the authorities and the the, uh, authorships of the people that wrote the various letters, we were able to collect together, and we now have the Word of God, right? And so as we open this up, we can literally say, thus saith the Lord, right? That was a great spot for an amen. So let me start over, right? Ready? Here we go. So... This is the Word of God captured together, and because we open it up and read through it, we can say, thus saith the Lord. I agree with you. Amen to that. And so we have the Word of God, and we have confidence in what God is wanting. Can you imagine back then, they didn't have this New Testament recorded out. They had guys as apostles beginning to share forth certain statements, and there were other people coming in and going, nah, forget about them. Here's what you should be thinking. And now they're like, who do we believe? What's God really have to say? And where should we go with this? And Paul's like, let me help you out with this problem. Look at what is before your eyes and open your eyes. God is going to be confirming through the fruits that are revealed. And and then he says, if anyone is confident that he is Christ's, okay, that means literally, if anyone's saying they're saved... If anyone's saying they're saved, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Man, if there's these people speaking ill of Paul, Paul's like, yeah, well, that guy claims to be saved. Great. So do we, man. We're claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. I've been called to this ministry and responsibility. I've got a job to do following my Savior and believing in him. Why is the guy attacking me? Back it down. And I take a stand for Christ, he's saying he is, then unity is where we need to be, man. Open your eyes, right? He's calling them to a very clear, apparent view of what needs to be happening. He says, if anyone is confident he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. For even if we boast a little too much of our authority, and let's just hang there for a moment, For even if we boast a little too much. Now, I want to be clear here. Paul is saying, look, there's times where I bring it, and I bring it clearly about who I am, right? Paul is making clear his authority as an apostle. We all know, if you look at the letters in the New Testament from Paul, it says, Paul, an apostle, right? He's sharing very clearly his authoritative moment. And for you and me, we hear that as kind of church ease. We hear that as Bible language, right? And Paul, an apostle. But here's what they heard. Paul, the guy who helped plant your church and is in authority over it. 
okay? They're hearing an authoritative call out. They're hearing that this is my position. You're going to need to listen and respond to me. And Paul's like, hey, even if there were times where I maybe brought the authority statement a little too much, and I want to be really clear on this, go to verse 13 real quickly. Verse 13, he says, but we will not boast beyond limits, okay? So this is not Paul saying, I'm in sin. This is Paul saying, look, there may have been times where you had it down, you had it understood who I was and what our authority was. Maybe it didn't need to be brought as crystal clear as I brought it like that, but it wasn't sin. It wasn't beyond limits. Everybody say, he's not sinning. And yet at the same time, he is boasting a bit. And and so let's be honest, that word boast I wrestle with it because the word itself in the English vernacular, it kind of, it's always bad, right? When do we boast where it's a good thing, right? And just so you know, that's not really what the word means, and we're going to see that come up again in the second point in just a little bit. The word boast means to celebrate that which is true, to lift it up and exalt it. And Paul's like, maybe there were times where I was celebrating what was true and more than what it was needed, but, but tell me this, really, Do you grasp that God's in charge and do you grasp that he's working through us and we're sharing out with you, right? That's what he's saying. He's like, look, maybe it was slightly too much at times, but it was not sin and it was not about me. It was all about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, all right? And so he says, maybe there were times where it was a little too much about my authority. Let's talk about that authority for a moment, which the Lord gave for building you up and not For destroying you, which the Lord gave for building you up and not destroying you. The authority that Paul had was to build up the church, to see the people growing in Christ, to be able to celebrate Christ and make much of him in all that he is in their lives. And the authority was not to make much of themselves. Paul's like, I'm telling you, I wasn't letting you know who I was in my role as an apostle to try to bring glory to me. It isn't about that. And uh, it is so not about that. In fact, I'm just here to build up the church. The goal of every leader in the church must be to be able to see the people within the body growing in Jesus Christ. The goal of everyone in authority within the church must be to make much of Jesus Christ and celebrate all that he is. The goal is not, everybody say not, to get my glory lifted up. That is not the role of authority within the church. Authority within the church is to celebrate the greatness of Jesus Christ and to see all of those around beginning to take steps forward in making their worship more on fire with Jesus Christ, to build up the church. And he's like, just so you know and understand, the apostleship I have is to continue to fan the flame on your fervor and your worship. Can't wait to build you up as a church. That's the goal. And then he says, not for destroying you, not for tearing down. And uh, I'll just say this pretty clearly, man. Power is a drug for the sinful leader. Power is a drug for the sinful leader. And man, it's easy to get caught up in the power that one has when it's all about yourself deep inside and you begin to drag things towards you and manipulate circumstances and manipulate people so that you can have your glory 
lifted up. And uh, everybody say, that's a terrible plan. And I agree with you. The role of authority within the church is to build up the church to glorify Jesus Christ and never to bring destruction. That's the goal, okay? And he's like, just so we're super clear, that's the authority I have, that's what I'm doing. And he said, and I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. Like again, I'm not in sin in celebrating what God is doing. I'm not in sin in recognizing all that he's taking care of within this church and the role or responsibility he has given me. And so this isn't sin. It isn't too far. It isn't beyond limits. And God is making sure and making clear through me that he's going to lift this church up. Praise be to God. He then says, I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. Now remember, Paul has written some letters to these guys, and they've been pretty tough, right? First Corinthians carries some pretty heavy load of call out of sin. And Second Corinthians has some pretty tough moments in it. There's another letter, we'll call it Third Corinthians, if you will. There's another letter in between First and Second Corinthians that got written, and that letter apparently has some really tough challenges in it. We do not have a copy of it. We don't know what was said in it, but we have it alluded to within Second Corinthians here several different times. And Paul was bringing some firm challenge about sin needing to be changed. Set it down pick up your worship, make God your center and your goal. And he was going after that hard. And these letters were pretty firm, pretty tough. And he was being super crystal clear about what sin is and that it needed to change. He's like, I'm just telling you, I wasn't trying to frighten you with my letters. It wasn't Paul an apostle, like, uh-oh, he's gonna hurt us with that title. It was Paul an apostle, I can't wait to build you up. I can't wait to see the sin set down and Jesus Christ glorified. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to help build you up. Come on, man. Don't hear this wrongly and the false accusations from some of these guys that I'm trying to make it all about myself and I'm just here to hurt you and that's ridiculous. That's not where I'm at. Then he says, for they say, you know, because... When you hear about somebody talking about you or whatever, and you're like, well, they say, right? There's always just a they. That's what we have here. There's these people over there in Corinth talking about Paul, and he's like, for they say, uh, his letters are weighty and strong. His, his letters are weighty and strong. They carry a ton of depth to them. They've got this deep theology. They've got this heavy talk about sin and this call out to get stuff clear. The, the letters are weighty and strong. There may be even a, a strength or forcefulness in the way it's said. And they're like, man, he brings such a weightiness in his letters. And then look what they say. His letters are weighty and strong. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. They're like, I don't know, man. He's kind of short, kind of weakling. You know, he comes off somewhat anemic, really. That little guy walks in a room, nothing happens. Like he's just this little dude. And then when he starts talking, could he at least practice first or something? There is like no good speaking skill set coming out of that man's mouth at all. Like that's what they're doing, man. Cheap shot attack, physical attack, externals attack, talking about him. 
like God is moving through him, sin is being called out, churches are being planted, Paul is getting real on it, and they're like, I don't know, man, he's pretty short, he looks like a weakling to me, you know? Like, that's what they're talking about. This is a for real statement, and I'm just telling you the cheap shot attacks at someone trying to take a stand for Christ happen all the time. The world loves to look on the externals. The world loves to look at someone and say, this guy, he would make a great pastor. I mean, he's really tall, super strong. He used to play sports all the time. Look at that guy. He's a good looking guy. And man, does he know how to move a room. That guy can be a pastor. Do you hear what they're doing? All on the externals. Hear me, man. God looks on the heart. And all of God's people said, huge deal. Humility, passionate worship, following of Jesus Christ with all you've got. God chose to work through a little man who didn't speak well. But man, could he bring what God wanted to bear into a moment. That is a huge, huge deal. And these guys in Corinth were taking a cheap shot at Paul and his ministry. And uh, have you ever had that happen to you? Where you're like talking about how God is working in your life or sharing with someone about who Jesus Christ is and what he's doing in your life, and they end up going at you and attacking something about you. Dude, you don't know what you're talking about, or you're soaking wet, or, or maybe they even go after the physical attacks against the, the, your height, your stature, your skill set or prowess in speaking, and they push down and push away. Right? That's what Paul was experiencing here as he's getting attacked for taking a stand for Jesus Christ. And, uh, and where's God calling you to take a stand? Maybe it's at work, or maybe it's at home in your family. Maybe it's with friends where you need to be taking a stand for Christ and you're not going to be concerned about what the others have to say in cheap shot against you, you will take the stand. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. He says here, let such a person, person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we, we do when present. All right, Paul's like, all right, I've kind of had it. I'm getting a little bit fed up and so let's just be super clear. Yes, I may not be the greatest speaker. And yes, I'm sure. Notice he didn't say, I'm not short. Right? He didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm not weak. I'm not anemic. He didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, I speak well. Notice he didn't say any of that. Here's what he said. Yeah? Well, what I wrote, we're going to follow through on. Then we can have a little talk about all this. That's what he was, he's like, I'm telling you this, I am going to be very clear about sin and I'm going to be very clear about my savior and the authority I have as apostle, you're going to see it and recognize it when I'm there. And what I'm talking about will be borne out. We're going to celebrate Jesus Christ and the sin is going down. And you can talk all about my physical stature all you want. That's where we're going. That's what Paul's saying here. He's getting very real very powerful and very serious about dealing with sin in the church and making sure that God is glorified in the midst. He says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those 
who are commending themselves. He's like, hear me, man. I'm really not trying to say, let me defend myself to these guys. And I'm really not caring if I look like one of them or whatever. Uh, Let's be super clear. These guys are trying to tear me down. And in essence, they're trying to tear down what God is doing. And uh, and if you ever had a moment where you're trying to get the gospel message across to someone you know and love, and the cheap shots start rolling. Make sure you're ready to stand firm. Loving them and calling them to your God. No matter what gets said. And uh, hear me, uh, if they're upset with you because you're sharing the gospel, right? Well, just so you know, uh, that's what's going to happen. It's called a stumbling block. And telling someone all of your good works aren't going to measure up isn't fun for them to necessarily hear. Now, we have a Savior who's got the answer in hand and He loves and He's offering it out, but they may not hear that. They may hear your works won't get it done and they get offended. And man, if the gospel message in its simplicity offends, that's just the way it is. We take a soft stand and say, bro, it is all about my God getting celebrated. That's just what it's about. And and get real on it. Now, if they're offended because you're a jerk, don't do that, right? Like this isn't about just going and being mean and being brash and being harsh and being offensive, but the gospel message carries with it a statement of our only hope is Jesus Christ. And if someone doesn't want to hear that, they may take the stand against. And uh, he says at the end, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. See, they're standing together and they're like, we're looking for big, tall, strong. We're looking for great speaker. That's our measuring sticks. We're looking for the externals to all be in hand and we're measuring against it. And so most likely that means they probably measured up to that. And so they're like, we're that. He's not that, right? That's kind of what was going on. And Paul's like, I really don't care about their measuring sticks. I care about God's. And I'm going to stand faithful and true to him. And I'm going to be going after it with all I've got. It says, and they are without understanding. Because when we only measure things with the external, we won't understand what God's doing. We won't. God works in the hearts and lives of people. And the internals is what matters most to him. Okay? That's where he's at. Man, we have to be ready to take the stand for Jesus Christ, ready to be called to wherever we're called to and make much of him, in the big and in the small, all the time, okay? There was a guy, his name was Bobby Leach. Bobby Leach, 1911, he went over the Niagara Falls in a barrel. Back then, they had this real attraction with the Niagara Falls. I'm not exactly sure what it was. I mean, it was a huge natural wonder, right? And this thundering water just pouring down over and dropping and crashing and the mist coming up. And everybody was amazed by what it looked like. And so they were standing there talking about things and they would come up with ideas like, wouldn't it be cool to go over the falls in a barrel? Like, I don't know what they're thinking about. That would never cross my mind. 
They're like, wouldn't it be cool? I'd be like, no, that would not be cool. What are you talking about, right? Or wouldn't it be cool to tightrope across the Niagara Falls, right? That was another big one going on. There was this big draw to the Niagara Falls, and they were super excited about trying to kind of do the man against nature sort of thing, and let's see if we can survive. And Bobby Leach decided to go after this. And he really took a lot of time thinking through what it would work like. He ended up creating a barrel that would end up being able to take heavy blows and not like just dent in, not that would cut into him or anything. And he put some padding in there. He had some special stuff. He ended up being able to make it sealed so that it would have air inside, but it wouldn't let water come rushing in when it crashed down into the uh, water below, right? He thought through all of it, got it all designed up, ended up getting in the barrel in 1911, and he was floating down the river. People were all along the sides watching, and they watched him go over the top of it and go down in, plummet, hit the water, go underwater, and then the thing popped back up and floated out. They grabbed and pulled him over and they opened it up and he gets out. And everybody's applauding. His name gets written into the papers. He's famous everywhere for having gone over the edge of the Niagara Falls in a barrel. And true story. Two years later, he was in England and uh, walking along, slipped on an orange peel fell, I believe it was his neck, broke his neck, ended up being taken to the hospital and died of complications two days later, right? Isn't it crazy how the little things, the every days of life are the ones we're not prepared for? We can prepare for the big moments, but man, in your walk with Christ, it is not just the big moment of share. It's the everyday walk with Christ. Are you ready to take a stand for him? Every day, in every way, in the little moments, and in the big, I stand with my Savior. I want my God glorified, not me. I want my God shown off, not me. Man, I'm telling you, our battle cry must be others' growth, God's glory. Others' growth, God's glory, not others' destruction, my glory. Others' growth, God's glory. In the little things and in the big, how are you doing with that? Are you prepared daily to be confident in your God and take a stand with Him? That's our call. All right. Second step, satisfied in the midst of attack. Boast in the Lord, not in yourself. Boast in the Lord, not in yourself. It says, but we will not boast beyond limits. Remember, we talked about this already as we connected this to the word boasting before, and, and it's not sin, right? We will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. Please note that the word boasting can come along with a very positive, a very favorable, not sin-oriented moment. And he's like, we're going to boast about something, and I'm just telling you, I didn't really realize this until really digging into the passage this week. But the words here, area of influence, are utterly essential. Area of influence. 
Please notice what Paul says. We will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. Man, God is in charge. God is sovereign over everything. And God is also sovereign over the very areas of influence you are to have. God assigns out. Everybody say, God is sovereign. And he has a plan for exactly where he wants you to live out life, being honest about who Christ is and calling people to him. He is calling you to an area of influence. Where is that? What is your sphere of influence within your family? What is your sphere of influence within your friendship group? What is your sphere of influence in your workplace or in your community, in the home you live in, in the neighbors you have? An area of influence that God has called you to where he's like, I'm telling you this, if you believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, if you confess him as Lord, hear me, God is not just glad you're saved, we'll cover that in eternity. It's like, you've got a job to do here and now. An area of influence. Someone to share with. Someone to take a stand with where God gets all the glory. Not you, him, but you're influencing for his fame and for his name. An area of influence. Super important that we grasp and understand God does assign us to areas and he asks us to be real and to be a part of it. And as we go after the assignment he's given, may we always point back to him. He's like, man, we have an area of influence that God's assigned us to, to reach even to you. First Corinthians, to go after First Corinthians and the letters that were written there and the people whose lives were changed. And he's like, just so we're clear, the church at Corinth was all about us reaching out. Paul was the one who got out there and uh, church planted and made a huge deal about who Christ is and saw the church come to life. It says, for we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. He's like, I'm just super clear on this. I'm not bragging and boasting in a way that's sin and it's not untrue. God has called me to an area of influence and it included the church at Corinth. And we were the first, everybody say first. We were the first to get there and share the gospel message. This is a huge deal. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. Paul and those traveling with him brought the gospel message to an area God assigned to them, an area of influence, and they shared the gospel, and lives were altered for eternity. Praise be to God. And Paul's like, let's be super clear on this, man. I am an apostle. I was first to arrive there, and God did work through us to see a church get planted. May God get all the glory. And uh, areas of influence, super huge deal. And Paul's like, I want to make it clear we're not overextending. We're not going beyond what happened. We're being real to what happened. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. Okay? So it's not, they did it, I'm claiming it. Right? I'm just going to be pretty transparent here, you guys. In America today, this is a real problem. We love to claim attention for ourselves. And there's different things that have fed into it. One of them that's actually fed into it a lot as of late has been Facebook, honestly. And so now I get to stand up and say, do you see how awesome I am? 
And, and what? It's just Facebook, right? And all of a sudden, we're making the glory attention come to self. We're bragging about things that go on. We're telling other people about things in my life. And quite frankly, a lot of the time, it's not even exactly true. There's other things that went on. There's other reasons and movements that God had. There's other people he used. And you're throwing your name out and attaching it to it. And be careful. Man, be super careful. If you're one of those who loves to tell a story where you're always the hero of it, Okay, if you're one of those people who tells a story and somehow it always shifts to without you in the room, it would have never gone well, you're the hero. If that's you, dude, be careful with that, set that down. You are claiming what is others' work for yourself. Be super cautious with that, all right? Overclaiming what God is doing through you and underclaiming what he's doing through others is not honoring to God. And he's like, look, we're not falsely claiming. We were the first there. God used us to bring. People were saved. It was amazing to see the church move. And uh, it's a huge deal. We're not boasting beyond limit in the labor of others. We're not falsely claiming what's going on. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our, ready, Area of influence, here we go again, area of influence, second time over, uh, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. We have been assigned an area of influence, and as we share about the greatness of Jesus Christ, as we get real about who he is, as we're simply saying this, God rocked me, and then Lord, I'm just going to be truthful with those around me about what you're doing. As we do that, God starts to do a work in our lives. I'm telling you, this is the model to grow the church. Just so you know, this is how we're growing Harvest Bible Chapel. How did we get to this church this size? I'm telling you this, you fired up. You growing in Jesus Christ. Your growth, his glory. Your growth, his glory. Now you step out of here and you're like, man, I'm fired up. God's doing something in my life. I learned something. I'm going after this. God, may you get all the glory. Now you're talking to a friend that week and they're like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, dude, I'm telling you, God's doing something in my life. And you start sharing it and they're like, dude, I don't have what you're talking about at all. I don't know what you mean. And all of a sudden, a friend or a family member is coming to church with you here and our area of influence is enlarging. The area of influence larges as we are, enlarges as we are faithful to God Almighty and it is all about His glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. huge deal. And then as our lives are altered, we are telling the truth about how that happened, who was involved, what went down, how God worked through, and we're truthful about it. And what was happening is, these guys were coming in and they were beginning to steal the attention away from how God had worked through Paul in that area. It was getting confusing as to how the church was growing up. And God was not able to work as much because testimonies were not exactly true. Man, I'm telling you, as you tell the truth about how God is working in you and you're getting on fire, you literally get a chance to share. They get fired up. They get to worship Jesus Christ. They come with you to wherever you were getting fired up from, and the whole thing starts over again and goes out and starts over again and goes out, and that's how God grows the church. That is it, man. It is simple. You on fire for Jesus Christ. God will handle the rest. 
And all of God's people said, okay, that's what he's talking about. And he's like, I'm telling you, I can't wait to see our area of influence affecting your life in a way where you're telling true testimony. And as you're doing that, well, then our area of influence enlarges because others come with. And uh, he says, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. Now we can start extending not just to you, but beyond you. And you're the testimony and the witness of God at work in this place. And as it extends out, first we will rock Corinth with God absolutely in charge, King of Kings. And as Corinth lights up, it will start spilling out. Lands around. Man, we have the privilege to reach out when the area of influence is being reached with God given all the glory. God begins to bless that and carry it out further. It's an amazing privilege to be a part of celebrating your Savior. Lives changed, hearts altered for eternity, and others catching it, seeing it, and getting on fire as well. That's what we're seeing here. He's like, I'm just telling you, super excited to be reaching into your area and enlarging that and then going beyond into areas uh, beyond you. And he says, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Please hear me on this, in another's area of influence. God is assigning different people and different churches to different areas and responsibilities. This is a huge deal that you understand. The church growing in this world is a planned attack from God Almighty as he reaches in and shares the truth of Jesus Christ with some functioning goal in, in mind. And I'm telling you, you heard a lot about church planting today. You heard Pastor Steve talking about in the announcements, man, we have had a chance to plant into Haiti in huge ways. And it's been awesome to see God work there. I want you to hear my heart in this. We are not thrilled at all to be going in and planting where there is a church exactly like us already there and thriving. Not thrilled at all. Contemporary expressive worship, right? That's a huge part of who we are, but no compromise to God's word. Man, if that's already going on fire there, not real thrilled to take a step into that there. That's where we're at. We see God having areas of influence, and if somebody's already there, we long for God to work through them. Okay, that's where we're at. And then when that's not there, and God's like, hey, I'm doing something unique with you, and that's not really available in this area, will you bring it there? Man, we get fired up about doing that. And uh, getting down to Haiti and being able to be down there, we got five churches now, sixth one coming in March, and I'm telling you, it is stunning to see what God's doing there. And please hear me on this. We are not planting churches in Haiti because somehow we sat up here in central Illinois and Peoria and went, Boy, I'll bet we could really affect Haiti well. Let's go make a difference down there. That happened because God walked us across the path of Pastor Abraham, a pastor down there who has Harvest Bible Chapel, Jack Mel, and he is so connected in. God has given him an area of influence. This man is humble. This man knows how to worship God with all he's got, and he calls people to do the same. He makes much of Jesus Christ, and so we're partnering in and through him, and we're watching God ever increase the boundaries as Christ is made much of. Dude, the church is grown as we give much to Jesus Christ, and we do not claim for ourselves. And all of God's people said, that's huge. That said, he says, uh, 
without any boasting of the work already done in another's area of influence, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Say it with me now. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Note, boasting in the Lord, not sin, absolutely appropriate, celebrating all that He is and His greatness as King of kings and Lord of lords. Boasting in and of itself is not sin, right? It's what you're boasting about and how far you go with it. And boast in the Lord. Make much of Him. It is not about me. It is all about Him. I am constantly able to share of the greatness of Jesus Christ. And as a room is moved about Christ, man, that is God Almighty moving in that place. We must always be ready to say praise be to God. If somebody walks up to you and they're like, man, awesome job, a great answer back. Praise God. Love what he's doing in this room. Just being faithful, love to see what he's doing. I'm telling you, we do not boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord. And all of God's people said, huge that we grasp that. This is utterly essential that we understand the underpinnings of a healthy church are anchored in this passage. How we handle attack, how we handle worship, how we are going after glory and whose glory it is. May God be shown off. He says at the end here, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. It is just not about what I self-proclaim. Self-proclamation always causes confusion. It is not what I self-proclaim. It is what God Almighty is saying and what He is commending. Commend means shown off, lift up. As God ends up doing something in a room or with someone or in an area, I'm telling you that is where there's approval from God Almighty. Hear me. We will stand before God to give account. We will. As believers, we will be able to celebrate the fact that salvation is secure, but man, we do give account for our works. And hear me, man, self-proclaimed great works don't get it done. God Almighty having a say of what it needs to be and us being humble and obedient to what He calls us to, that gets it done. So simple statement, man. You want to be satisfied as you take a stand for Christ and someone stands against? Hear me. Be ready on the day-to-days. Be ready in and out to be able to make much of your Savior. It is all about others' growth and God's glory. It is not about my glory. It is all about His glory. That's the first. And second, Lord, in the midst of it, may I truly boast of you celebrate you, make much of you. That's satisfied as we serve our Savior. 